sorry for the delay between episodes again. Obviously, Hi, this has been Paul. going on in Hi, the last sort of week and, and a half or so, particularly Sports here in Adelaide. Podcast. But I am once again joined by Damo. Damo, welcome along. How are you, Paulie? Finally get to finally do a podcast. It has been absolute bedlam here in South Australia, if you have not heard of all the news that's coming out. But we have finally found time for a podcast, haven't we, Paul? Yeah, it's been pretty nuts from sort of... Almost when we finished recording the last podcast, it's almost sort of all kicked off again and a bit of COVID and all the rest of it made it hard. We were working like dogs yeah. for about a week or so and just couldn't really get around to it. And then on top of it, sort of other than the Olympics, there hadn't been much sport as well. So probably not a bad time almost uh, for us have a uh, week. with the lockdown yeah, a week to off. have a bit of a week off. Yeah. yeah. So we're back. We're firing. We'll probably have a couple episodes back to back. Um, in the lead up to our Premier League fantasy draft. So just once again, if you are keen on joining our draft league, make sure you jump into the league, which the code is in the description in our Discord. So there is a fantasy Premier League section in the Discord. So if you are keen, please join on. I think we're drafting in about a week and a bit's time from when this goes out. So if you do have any questions, please let Damien and I know. So I think... With what's been going on sporting-wise in the world, I think it'd only be fitting to probably start with some of the Olympics. How have you found it all unfold so far? Oh, look, I love it. Every four years, you get to watch the best athletes at their best disciplines go and compete at the highest level. And like, I really buy in. I go to sleep, I put it on. Um, I'm actually I'm not annoyed that it's in our time zone in Tokyo, which means we kind of mirror the time zone. I, I do prefer when it's over in Europe or where it's... Uh, you know, overseas in an area where it's like, it starts at like 10 p.m. and you just watch it all night. Uh, because, you know, when you're at work and whatever, you miss a lot of events. But when it's like, oh, it starts at 9 o'clock p.m. and it goes all the way through to like 8, 9 in the morning, you know, you can go to bed, you can leave it on, you can watch it, you can fall asleep to it, you wake up, you can watch it again and then off you go. Um, where this year I find it a bit more difficult, especially with work now and I'm working like 50 hours a week it's a bit harder to keep up the date but like like today man I, I, I was like I don't got nothing to do I'm going to sit there put it on channel 7 or 7 mate and I'm going to pick the events I want to watch and I'm going to watch and it's been killer yeah that's where it's the best yeah because you've got that flexibility oh yeah it, it's so good and so much sport and you can pick and choose what event if you don't like an event that's on you know you can get the 7 plus app up link it to your TV pick another event yeah it's so good you know I find it very hard to watch like competitive shooting, for instance. I've done a bit of shooting. My my old man a long time ago missed out on a playoff to make the 2000 Olympics. Um, and I remember watching that as a kid. Uh, so for me, I've been watching like all the trap and the all the trap and the skeet and the pistols um, shooting. Um, and uh, shout out to Big Bad Bruno if he ever listens to this. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was not it's it's been good. You know, uh, I feel like that. When the Olympics comes around, everybody that's not even a sports fan turns into a bit of a sports nut for a couple of weeks. It's just a yeah. good time. Yeah, you're not wrong. So I'm noticing that through my line of work too, which is positive um, that everyone's so invested in it. So it's nice sort of what we've done in, in our particular area. We leave it on all day practically. We just rotate laptops, keep it plugged in. People sort of pop in and out, have a watch. And go from there. So to start off with, obviously, I'm going to assume that shooting's probably been your main event no, it, that you've enjoyed. It's not the main event so that I've enjoyed, but it's the event that I find it hardest to watch, like the top level. Unless I go down to like watch my dad shoot the International Gun Club here in Adelaide, but that's just an Adelaide pool of players. To to watch like 
top class level shooting like the world championships and that you don't find streams so to watch that yeah. is like one of those same with European handball it's probably one of my favourites is European handball to watch because obviously yeah. we play that in year 12 for moderation great sport so many memories of you know just just absolute bedlam in year 12 European handball what a sport as well but um, how often in Australia do you get to see a European handball like world champions championship or Euros or whatever um, barely rarely you get any of that content so then all of a sudden the Olympics comes around and on the 7 plus app it's literally on all day and just throw it on yeah, exactly um, follow it along yeah and it's so good such a high level uh, and then you, you wouldn't be I think a normal Olympic nut if you don't say that you really love the like the 100 metre 100 metre um, men's all the track men, stuff yeah all the track stuff and then, yeah. and then all of a sudden the pool as well and the, the girls have done so well in the pool especially um, and look I, 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 yeah the pool's the one thing that I struggle with probably the most like I can only watch it for 40 minutes half an hour I can't yeah it has to be a, it has to be a big race like when the, all the heats are on a lot I'd rather watch another event but if it's like for a gold medal yeah. and we've got a serious chance of an Aussie winning gold then switch over yeah and then, then I'll switch over and I'll watch um, yeah and, that's how I'm like with the pool and like the races this season will be good no one has blown the competition away like um, I can't pronounce her name probably Sismus uh, Ariana there oh Tismus, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. She is mowed down the best swimmer in women's well, she's got a silver again. Today yeah, against, in the, against Ledecky, eight hundred free. But I think Ledecky, it was against Ledecky. Ledecky's yeah. going to go down as the most decorated, probably the best woman swimmer, swimming athlete of all time in history. And she's pushed. And her. she's pushed her and mowed her down twice, where she's had a lead, and she's come home yeah. strong. And I'm like, that's the good part of swimming. It, it's the worst when it's like Phelps gets in the pool. Phelps goes and wins by six strokes. Next event, Phelps goes and wins by six strokes. Or like fought back in like 2004 at, in Athens, you know, he used to just go and swim every event and win by six strokes. It's nice that they'd be getting yeah. like good races. Competition. And like that's what I'm really looking forward for the 100 metre running race um, because there's no there's no bolt this year, right? So it's going to be yeah. 9.8 seconds, I reckon it'll be running, not 9.6. It'll be 9.8 seconds of just who the hell was going to be the fastest on the day. And I reckon that's going to be insane and one of the like the best events. Um, if I had to pick, yeah, hundred percent. What would be your favourite event, Paul? If you had to pick one, um, one that sort of creeped up on me this year, and it is a newer one. It's the canoe slalom. I just think that's awesome. Oh, like, the upper body to strength. see the core strength. Yeah, and the core strength involved in that and doing it at speed. Um, obviously, with Fox taking. I was about to ask. The, yeah, inaugural gold. Je- Jess as Fox, well. and she was meant to win the. Uh, uh, like the, the kayak, the kayak one, one as well, and she obviously screwed the booch, and um, yeah. she's well number one in both, I think by memory. Um, and, and what, what I like about the Jess Fox story is that her dad's on the commentary team for Channel Seven, and her yeah, and, so her, and her dad called the gold medal race, and literally, like, if I was calling my kid winning gold, I think I would lose my mind. Like, I lose my mind playing FIFA or a football manager. I don't think I could handle my kid going for gold and trying to commentate that. But uh, he, yeah. his call was unreal. You didn't, you wouldn't even know. And then, like the only time he stops talking is probably when she comes over at the, at end, the end and she starts swimming, and he literally just starts smiling, and puts his hands in his head, and like disbelief. I think it's like the best yeah. piece of footage we're going to so get. So professional. Yeah, it's so unreal. Uh, like, hats off to him. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really rate that. I'm, I'm gonna go with the fact that we've played a lot of golf. I've been trying to watch as many yeah, of it. I've enjoyed the golf. I think I'm going to lean towards my favourite events being the handball and the golf. But uh, literally, yeah. uh, anything, anything but Cam Smith's looking good. Yeah, he does. He turned it on. Jeez, he look. He, his look is unreal for this. Just these peak. He looks <laughs> like peak performance. What an Aussie. Yeah. But um, I feel like 
during the Olympics, I find it harder to get into football than I do of any other sport because I see so much of football. And the under twenty three stuff's a bit whatever. And the football's not the same. Nah, it's as not. Well. Like I must say, a shout out to the Matildas last night as that was well, a good game. getting through to the semi final. Yeah. And I, I actually wasn't watching, and I was talking to Dom, um, and he was like, "Just put it on, put it on, put it on. Trust me, we've watched a lot of women's football." This is a serious game. This is going to have goals in it, and it's it's well it's being played well. I thought I thought Haley Raso was a bit um, stiff to get hoofed off as well. She was looking really lively down that wing. I think she might have picked up an injury. There was, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I've seen the highlights. Fifty fifty challenge where she took a real heavy touch. Yeah, she came and off got absolutely collected. Yeah. Um, so I think she's come off injured there, but hopefully she's a bit of precautionary. I think I think she felt the knock, and I don't think it's serious from what they're reporting. But yeah. yeah. But then Sam Kerr to turn it on twice oh, when she's needed. So he obviously with a couple of minutes to go. And the thing Dom and I mentioned was the, to have the composure not to just blaze away. That was the the big moment. She took the touch down off her chest, let the ball bounce, which you sort of told not to do, but let it bounce. The defenders all stopped because they didn't know what she was doing. And then she's just gone, I'm just going to place it here and get my team you know, back into the game. I must say, uh, the finish from Fowler, although a deflection, got no goalkeeper in the world. No, no, so no, bad, no man. way, man. Like, that's just absolutely Sam Kerr's pure. header. And then Sam Kerr's header to jump in front. I think she headed it into the defender. But again, it's one of those ones where the girls put themselves into positions where no one can... Re- the defenders or the keepers can't react. So, oh, yeah. regardless of how the ball's gone in the back of the net there, it didn't matter because the keeper, unfortunately, well, unfortunately for us, had no chance. One big... Moment from that game though was Caroline uh, Weir. I don't want to harp on it too much, but pretty average penalty from her. Yes, yeah, very average. I don't know. I feel for. I her. know it was saved by our keeper, but we know that Lydia wasn't in goals, and I think Lydia probably arguably would have saved all three that they scored on the night as well. So I think it was a really pretty shaky really, though, this tournament. Really, really, really uh, positive. I thought this goalkeeper was really good. Um, there was one mistake. The second. Second goal for Great Britain. Yeah. She should have saved. Yeah. Um, I don't think she's been really bad. Good. I don't think she's been bad. The, you na- have seen. the name escapes me. Um, but um, Yeah, I've forgotten as well. Um, but she made some real clutch saves like I, in extra time I, as well. Tipped two over yeah. the bar, one around the post. I don't think she's been bad. Really I just good. think that obviously Lydia, Lydia would be our number one if she was available. But, you know. I don't rate Lydia Williams anyway, so I'd like to give this young girl yeah, a chance. Yeah, same here. And that's what the Olympics should be about, giving the youngsters a chance to step and go. But... um. Yeah, I was talking to that with another goalkeeper coach today, and he he agreed with that. So I was like, yeah, but um, I think that that's a hard sport to get into during the Olympics. I really do, though the soccer, the football, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's not the same. That's why. But yeah, I I wish there was something else. And it leads me into my next question: What sport do you think would come that should be in the Olympics, and what sport would you take out the Olympics to accommodate for that sport pool? I've got one exactly Uh, in mind, and I know exactly which sport I'll take out. What would you take out? Because I'd probably struggle with uh, that. Three by, three by three basketball. We've already got normal basketball yeah. in there, right? And there's two sports yeah. I would like to bring in for it. But there's one sport... What do you reckon? Well, A, netball should be already an Olympic sport. If they're going to make three yeah, by three basketball, netball should just be yeah. nailed on. And the sport is absolutely at that higher level. Now, I've got nothing against the cycling or the skating or whatever, or the BMX stuff. Well, I, I, skating's dumb. But, but Cycling needs to be in yeah. it. But the skateboard, the skateboarding BMX stuff, BMX racing or skateboarding. Yeah, and I get that for the for the um for netball. Um, but yeah, I feel like how netball hasn't got to look in over those two, and they they use a criteria that sports are so similar to sports, and I'm like, yeah, but then you're getting free by free basketball by basketball, and it's all for sponsorship. No, 
You know, if yeah. you're going to say that that netball's too similar to basketball, then sorry, what is three by three basketball then? Um, yeah, we're squashing the Olympics. No, it's not. That was one of the things in that's my agenda because I, I think I think that yeah. would be really good. But they also said that's too close to badminton. But I think that need to get rid of that rule. Yeah. But the sport I think should really come in, and the sport that really should come out. Right, three by three basketball comes out. It's a completely dis- dis- discipline, and I would watch it. Put futsal in the in the Olympics. Yeah, use all the handball stadiums. Alternate days between the handball and the futsal, and that would kick off. I reckon. That's a good show. And then you could migrate the fact that the futsal becomes so popular, you can probably migrate that under-23s tournament in, in the soccer to, well, we don't need the big stars coming because we've got a heap of futsal going on. Make it an under-21, under-19 tournament and be really strict on the rules. Yeah. And then I feel like it's a better way to go about it for the Olympics. But Yeah, I'm trying that futsal sort of develop its own brand as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that, that high level of futsal would just suit the Olympics. It's fast-paced. There's going to be goals where shorter games yeah exactly and I feel like the under 23 games is a bit you know can get a bit whatever kind of there yeah. just to be yeah there. exactly yeah um, and enough. I feel like foot, I, I think futsal would be not a bad shout and I think obviously the, the big one for me that really annoys me 3 by 3 basketball should never ever ever be in the Olympics yeah 100% alrighty let's make a shift on to the theme of today so a bit of a transfer special for us so we've sort of grabbed a few of the bigger stories that have happened, uh, a few other th- uh, things that we've noticed or some questions that we want to pose uh, moving forward. So I think probably over the last week, the last big one that sort of kicked off is Varane to uh, Man United. So obviously uh, people been really claiming that Man United need that second centre-back. Obviously Maguire's been unreal for them I mean, or maybe not unreal very good um, f- for me United but obviously sort of Lindelof and Bailly the quality drops off pretty quickly so I think I was talking to Zach about this one so shout out to Zach I know you'll listen to this at some point Varane is an interesting case for me because I can't say I've watched heaps and heaps and heaps of him but what I have watched of him in big games he hasn't been the rock that he needs to be for Man United. So whether Maguire can be that real solid enforcer and they let Varane kind of, you know, use his pace and his athleticism and his physical attributes to try and bully games and run off people and create things and good on them, but they're not getting a lockdown centre-half that's not going to get beaten. Varane will be aggressive and Varane will cause problems for their opposition and also for Man United. So... What do you reckon? How do you see this Varane deal? I think it's only a good thing for Man United. Like, look at the quality of player you're bringing in. Um, he's obviously won enough to warrant how big the money is. He comes with that bit of experience. And they, for me, needed two players this window. A centre-back, an out-and-out centre-back, a good one. right? And Varane qualifies, and a winger. And I feel like if they get a winger, an out-and-out winger, they will be well, very dangerous. Sancho. Yeah, and Sancho's the one. Um... So for me, I feel like that was a very smart bit of business for me. You know, I get that the money. Ah, uh, look, what do you think of the deal, Paul? Don't even the money. It's money. I, I, the money's not the problem for me. For me, it's the eye test. Like, there's, there's two big issues I have with both those signings. So Varane, I've just seen him in big games. I know he's a World Cup winner. He's a three times Champions League winner. I get that, but he did a lot of that next to Sergio Ramos, obviously at Real Madrid. And Ramos, I'm real. And. 
I think some of those deficiencies were sort of covered by that Madrid defence, where the Man United defence just isn't at that same level. Um, I, th- I mean, look, he could prove me wrong. He could slot in perfectly. He could be the perfect complement to uh, Harry Maguire, and then we could look at this and say, yep, great, great signing. signing, well done. Um, and then Sancho, for me, the big red flag is he just could not get into that England squad at all. And I think Saka starting ahead of him, Foden initially starting ahead of him, might sort of tell where he sits. Because um, I've not watched much of Jadon Sancho. I don't get to watch the Bundesliga that much. So I think that's a bit more know. of Gareth paying Gareth's boys, though, than that. Um, nah, you know, I don't think so. Not at that. I think defensively, like with Trippier, that's Gareth's boys, but not out wide. Not when you're looking for creativity. When there's enough options there, there's a reason why Saka... There has to be a reason why Saka... I mean, Saka's stats in the Premier League is so underrated. He was first amongst all teenagers for all attacking stats. Yeah, oh, don't so, get me wrong. I think Saka's well... You know, not not well-class yet, but he's got to be well-class. for the hype... The hype around Sancho, he should be able to be starting ahead of Saka. So the fact that he wasn't, and he only played when Saka was injured, and then as soon as Saka was fit, Saka was back in the team, that just warning flags. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I think that maybe we are going to have to play both these signings by ear in terms of like, if they work out, great signings for United. And if they don't work out, yeah. really, really, really Two big flops see- again why they flopped as well. There's reasons for why they will flop and there's reasons for why they will succeed. I just think United have done the right thing. I feel like they've come out, they've got yeah, exactly who the they need the to go get, they've put the money on the table, they've got a guy that is world class and I think won't flop in Varane and they've taken a gamble one of the biggest English prospects that isn't in the Premier League going around world football. Um, and if he kicks on Sancho, he could be outstanding. So... And now, if it doesn't work, then you start questioning Ollie's ability to get the best out of that squad. That, I think. For me, for me, that's the big one. For me, it is the big one. There is that Ollie's ability may be questioned at the end of the season if they don't achieve what yeah. they want to achieve. But I don't know what United are going to set out to achieve. Is top four good enough? Are they looking to win the league this season with these two signings? I don't know. Um, they finished second this year, so you'd think they'd want to kick on. Yeah, I hear that too. But um, I don't know if they're going to or not uh, in terms of. Look at what happened last year. The injuries to Liverpool. Uh, you know, City have we about this already. City have gone on to strengthen <laughs> their Chelsea squad. Chelsea won a Champions well. League, and if they get going, could be insane. And it looks like they could sign a couple of players down the line as well. Uh, yeah. I feel like United, yeah, they've signed people, but it's not like United finished second because they beat the best Liverpool side yeah. of last season, the best Chelsea side, um, or like. The UCL winners were great in the UCL, but really, if it wasn't for that Lampard fall, would Chelsea have probably finished ahead of United? Probably. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I don't know what you did classify United's season being success next this season coming up. I, I feel like most United supporters would take top four and a bit of a run in the Champions League, but um, I feel like it's how they do it. If they go out there and have like some ups and downs and they struggle to beat like the lesser teams and they have a couple of good results against some of the bigger teams but they get beat by some of the bigger teams, they may actually look to just go to Oli and say, maybe you're not good enough to get the best out of this squad. I'm a believer that yeah. that's probably true in terms of Oli not being good enough, but I'm also a believer they wouldn't sack him if he finished in the top four either. Yeah, I don't know. I just sort of see it as we sort of saw it in the Europa League final. He's probably not ready for it. Uh, but look, time will tell. We'll see what happens and we'll go from there. So plenty of other deals to mention. So 
We've got one here that I haven't actually seen, which is this potential Pogba to PSG. Yeah, um, I read um, about that on Sky Sports and put it in there. It looks like um, PSG yeah. are really monitoring this one and going to make a big bid. But I feel like every single year we get a bit of Pogba. Thing. We get a bit of Pogba yeah. uh, transfer thing. Um, according to no, Sky Sports, Oli apparently is interested in selling him. He doesn't. Not that he doesn't want him, but he wouldn't hold him at United. Where I feel like in previous years, they United have been desperate to hold on to Pogba. Uh, and I feel like yeah, that's a, I, I, quality, I, yeah. I feel like that's a fueled by two things. A that's fueled like they've spent big money, they can get money back on their deals on Pogba because he would fetch a fair bit of money. I feel a b. Um, obviously the club feels like that they have got some pulling power in the market now. They've made a couple of signings that they could sign another centre mid. I just don't know who they're going to gamble on there. Yeah, I don't really. There's not a standout. Well, it looks like Locatelli's going to so. Arsenal. But if I was United, I would be going. Okay, go. Nah, you Um. Yeah, after Juve. Juve now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that, that's better. Yeah. That's Champions. Well, it's Champions League football. Yeah, that's better for Locatelli anyway. Because all the reports yeah. going through the Euros that he's off to Arsenal for 40 mil, and I was like... No, no, that's why... So, yeah, Arsenal realised that. That's why they went and got Sambi Laconga from uh, Anderlecht instead. That's the difference so between being in the Champions League and not. Look at the player quality you have to go for. Exactly. Mm, so, Arsenal just inquired, I think. Um, yeah. And that was just the first to inquire, so that's where those rumours came from, yeah. but... Sounds like Juve are pretty interested, and for Locatelli's sake, then I think that's probably a better deal. But one deal that Arsenal managed to get over the line was Ben White, which I think is a, a pretty solid I one. I think that is. I think um, they've overspent slightly, but I always feel like when you're signing people from other to. Premier League clubs that are English, that you got to. Yeah. yeah. And look, end of the day, if you can identify he's your man for the long term, then, get him. then 50 mil is not that bad. Yeah, exactly. And if he comes good and you get back into the top four, that's worth its weight in gold. Like, that's the priceless. Bigger part, the bigger part of this deal, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, is they've loaned out um, Saliba for another I year. I don't get this that. This time he's gone out to Marseille. I don't get so. that at all. Because if you're good enough to play for Marseille... <laughs> You're good enough probably to play for Arsenal at the minute. There's got to be something going on there, honestly, between him and Arteta. Because I know he's a Unai Emery signing. The other thing is, like, Fafana's was in that same defence with him at St. Etienne. And look how he's kicked on at Leicester. So, for me, I would want to be keeping Saliba at Arsenal. And then Playing. if you're starting part... If you've got three centre-backs of Ben White, Saliba and Gabriel, that's a good enough rotation of three guys. Gabriel wants to play on the left. Ben White... And Saliba want to play on the right, so you just rotate them in with Gabriel, and that's not a bad, you know, rotation. Yeah, two sets of pairing. Well, that's right. And so the I don't fact understand why that they're not in Europe means they don't have to have the biggest squad to rotate through four centre backs either, and by injuries, yeah. and they've probably got a couple of prospects that they could use too. I, I just think or it's a really sort of chambers. And whatever. Yeah, it's a really, 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 really odd one that one because I feel like his quality as well, Saliba. I really do. So I thought I'd see him play. I haven't seen him play. Like I just it always seems like he does well when chance. he goes on loan as well. So yeah, he got Nice's player of the season last year. I think was he was up there. Yeah, so it's, anno- there's it's clearly, a weird one. There's clearly something not performance based going on. Um, I know. I think from listening to AFTV for long enough, I think there's some family stuff in France. But it sounds like he's not driving these loans. It sounds like the club's driving him out, forcing him out. Apparently, he's only got a two years left on his deal, so he'll come back with one year left on his deal. Yeah, he's going to go. So imagine, imagine losing him on a free, man. Like, that That would be horrendous for Arsenal. But, it's a typical you know, Arsenal thing to do at the minute, though. That's kind of how that football club's being run, though. Yeah, let's try and think optimistically for them, because I think long-term, if Ben White and Saliba are your, your partner... You could have a very good back, then, too. 
you're set for quite a while. Yeah, I just hope but, they realise and do it because it's a, it's, it, it does hurt as a Premier League neutral to put your hat on and see a good club like Arsenal, you know, with the history that they've got. They struggle so much. Getting it wrong. Yeah. But they're just getting it wrong. It's not like it's unlucky. Just, like, they get it wrong. They always get it wrong. Decisions that they're making. Yeah, they're just making poor choices. But whether that's down to, um, oh, what's his name? Um, he used to play for them. He's the um, oh, Brazilian guy that used to play for them. He's the guy that looks after their transfers. I should know this. Um, oh, it'll come to me at some point. He's the one that's doing all the deals. And that's where like things were dodgy with Willian because apparently it's a bit of a jobs for the boys. Uh, some of the agents, he only deals with the uh, agents of the players that have you know, yeah. haven't been the best signings for them. So, um, that, oh, Vinay. Is it Vinay? What's his name? Ah, oh, it's going to do me. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, another one for them, though, is uh, James yeah, Madison. Yeah, this, which... this one's huge because I, I read that on Sky Sports and I was like, if you're James Madison, would you want to go to Arsenal over staying at Leicester? Um, it's probably more about the contractual stuff, I think, at that point. Like, I think the clubs are going to sort of be um, similar statures, maybe, for this season. Um, but I think footballing-wise, he'd rather be at Leicester. But maybe the injuries, he sort of fell out of the squad towards the end of last season. Maybe Brendan said something to him. Maybe they're looking to replace him or maybe they're looking to bring some competition. And he might go, meh, I might want to go live in London. He might need a change of scenery as well. You know, he's been at Leicester only for a couple of years after leaving Norwich, but you know it definitely wouldn't surprise me um, if he does go. Um, and again, it's one of those ones where they have to pay through the. Oh, they would. They have to pay huge. Yeah, so Leicester won't want to lose him. The other problem is um, Ancelotti's come out saying he wants Odegaard to stay at Madrid, yep. so they can't loan him back or buy him. So. You know, I thought he was okay at Arsenal think, when he joined in January. I think they would want him if they could, Arsenal, Odegaard. But, um, Odegaard, yeah. yeah. Apparently 70 million's around the mark for James Madison. Oh, man, that's big money. Yeah. But that's but what I you think need to do. At that point, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You just got to... If you think he's your guy, which, look, he's quality, his set-piece delivery, his free kicks, yeah, I think... And his actual general play sort of gets overlooked a little bit because of how good his free kicks are. But he knows what he's doing on the ball. You're I think he's a good. Ten-year attacking midfielder. Think, I yeah. think he's good. I just don't. Look, it's an English player in the Prem. They're always going to go for big money. It doesn't matter. But I do feel like seventy million's a bit steep. Uh, if Arsenal really want him and identify him, I'm with you, Paul. Spend the money because that club needs yeah. to do something to get out of this, you know, hole they've dug themselves. Hole. Yeah, I, I just think if you're James Madison, you would look at that and you go, Arsenal, very shaky, don't know what you're going to expect. I'm here under Leicester where I could have got in the top four the last two seasons. I've got a, well, a, a manager that I think is better than Arteta and Brendan Rodgers that I think is pretty class. Why would I yeah. go to Arsenal sort of thing? He might, he might have that motivation to want to be the person that helps change I the I think fortune, that's though, the thing. If know? Arsenal can find the right guy that wants to come there and change the club, that's good yeah. for him. I just don't know how many players in world football want to Smith do that. Smith Rowe, Madison, Pepe, Lacazette, Aubameyang. You know, there's guys, there, there's players there. Yeah. You know, it's not the end of the world. Thomas Party. You know, a lot of attacking talent there. Martinelli, so, Gabriel Martinelli. Know, yeah, Martinelli is Saka. Yeah. So it's not like you know, pl- the squad is coming. It's not a bad squad. They just need to get yeah. the, the get. Arteta needs to get it all right this season, or he's out the door. He needs to pick a formation. So yeah, he keeps chopping and yeah, changing. Yeah, he, 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 he's 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 trying to be Pep. That team screams four two three. It does, doesn't man. it? It screams it massively. 
But uh, I feel yeah. like he's because he, he, because he's learnt under Pep. I feel like he's a bit too much in Pep's mind and just trying to three, he's trying three. to really he hasn't much four, no three, he's, three, he's just trying to be like Pep and just come up with something tactically and he said that's going to work and I'm like if you just dump it down and look at the squad yeah. fit the squad to what you, fits what system and then go coach yeah. that squad in the way you want them to play football in that system yeah I, don't, I feel like I feel like he's trying to implement a system without any real formation or any real direction of what we're going to play. He's trying to implement what he wants to do with the boys. And as a coach, I'm like, the first thing you're going to do is really go, this is how we're going to play in a structured way. This is what we're going to do with the ball. This is what we're going to do without the ball. And then go implement your philosophy. And I feel like Arteta gets maybe a bit too caught up. This is my philosophy. I've come under Pep Guardiola. This is where I want to play. And doesn't really focus on, well, how are we going to achieve that? And I feel like that's why they are not getting it right managerially with Arteta. But I also feel like if Arteta, if he looked at his squad and he got James Madison in, he would have to go and go, this is the structure we're going to play to get the best out of all the guys I've got, and the new signings, everything. He needs a 10. And he needs a 10 if he's going to do that. My only issue is that if he signs James Madison and then he starts chopping and changing all over again, which I think he will do, because I think Arteta is just, it's too early in his managerial career, this Arsenal job, way too early. But... Yeah. Um, if he starts stopping change, James Madison's going to go there, and where he would have flourished on the bench, Rogers is going to sit there at Arsenal on the bench and turn into nothingness. And I don't want that to happen yeah, to him either. Play in a role that's not, not suited to him at all. Know, so yeah, might have to play as an eight or something. But anyway, yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we get there when uh, the season sort of comes around. So any other real big moves before we move on to a few questions that I've posed in there. Yeah. Um, what else is sticking out to uh, you? Well, Ariola's obviously gone off to West Ham Medical for a loan and then have apparently an option to buy, which I think is good business for West Ham, to be fair. Um, you know, yeah, Fabianski getting on Yeah, I think it's just, it's good progression. Like, I feel like Ariola, if he's expecting to be number one from the get-go, don't. Like, but if you expect to go in fight with Fabianski, maybe a year or two, you're going to play more first-team football at at West Ham than you would have at PSG at any point. The fact that PSG is signed on a rumour now and they got Navas, you're ever going to play for PSG? Yeah. No. So I feel like it's a good spot for Ariola to go to and we know that Ariola can be really good on his day. And for West Ham, I think it's needed to push Fabianski and then when they want to eventually yeah. either give Fabianski off or let Fabianski, you know, just sit on the bench and then oh, retire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the other one that I've put in there for you, Paul, is that Harry, Harry Wilson's obviously now gone to Fulham for 12 mil. Um, you think he's uh, done well enough there to get 12 mil for him? Yeah, mate, that's great business. I think it's so unreal. Few, few loan moves, did the right at Bournemouth. Didn't, doesn't look as good as Harvey Elliott. Um, oh, Harvey Elliott. They're apparently going to play him as an eight. What do you think on that? Yeah, I don't mind I that. like it. I think he's got the engine. Break. If Klopp can get the best out of him, if Klopp, look, for me, if Klopp identifies something, I'd just trust it because it's Klopp. But yeah, if he identified so. him as an eight... I think he's got the creativity, and I think he's got the box, the box engine. He can engine. go into that. Yeah, he can go into the rotation as in the front or on that right wing with Salah yeah. too if needed. So I feel so like it's just no it's just a good thing for him. But yeah, twelve mil for Harry Wilson, good business. Yeah, that's fantastic. I do feel money. like there's a footballer in Harry Wilson. I really do. I just don't think he's kicked on enough to be at football, Liverpool Football Club. Needs a game time. Yeah, and look, just won't get nah. it. I would have liked an option to buy back clause here for something that was not bad. You know, like twenty million or something, but. Uh, you know, uh, we had that in. I don't see him develop. Yeah, we had that. The fact that he's going to a relegated Fulham kind of shows where I think his level yeah, is that upper championship level. Yeah, good enough to be a lower tier Premier League player on his day, and that's it. Yeah. All right, so, ask your questions, Paulie. Good little, all right, we've got. Actually, I want to go to the bottom one yeah. first. So, just want to recap. So, I think PSG have probably had the best 
window. I do too. Like, I was talking to Zach about this today, and it's their front three of Mbappe, Neymar, and Di Maria, followed by Hakimi coming in at right back with one out a minute centre mid with Donnarumma in goals and Ramos at centre back. They are like, mental. That is this. That is screaming win now. They're obviously annoyed at the season they had last year in the league, obviously losing it, and then the Champions League showing as well in the semi final. So I think they just said PSG. Can't see this not working with Marquinhos there already as well. Oh, they they well. they should be favourites for the Champions League. I know footballers are played on paper, um, but far out, that man. That team is so stoked. That team is mental, and I think they're all going to come in hungry as well. The fact they didn't win anything last year, like they're going to romp La Liga, um, sorry, League yeah. League, League One, um, and they're going to go out there and beat them. Force in the Champions League, so I think there's only a select. They'll be able to rest in the league as well, they're, so they'll be fresh I, for Champions I League. I think there's a few teams that can get at them in the Champions League this season, and you know, and yeah. I think that's Bayern because I think Bayern are one of the best teams in the world. Uh, I think if Chelsea's all their signings went right, obviously being Champions League winners could because defensively they can manage them, and then without being Bayern, so I just think Liverpool have enough firepower in their day to beat the back four match yeah and match him yeah. and that would be a game and a half that's a, that is like for me that would be like the ultimate get to a semi-final play PSG don't care if we win or lose that would be a game of football to watch um, yeah. but yeah like I think that PSG's window is one of the best windows we've seen in the modern era yeah I'd agree as well so a couple questions that I'll ask at the same time so Big ones is, so what happens with Grealish? And then I think knowing what the rumours are, which is Man City, then what happens with Harry Kane? Yep. Because I like your train of thought. Like, go, go with it and then I'll answer afterwards. Yeah, so my thoughts around both of these are because they're both heavily linked to City, with the finances that they've put themselves in with other deals, obviously they lose Aguero's wage, which probably needs to be factored in, but there was no money coming in for that deal as no, well. No, was it? I don't know if they can actually fit both of these guys in. If their quotes are accurate, where Grealish is demanding, Villa are demanding 80, and Spurs are demanding 100 and something, 120. So you're looking at 200 mil for those two boys. Can they fit it in to FFP? I don't think they do. if you have to pick one, who do you pick? Well, firstly, I don't think they fit into FFP, but I also think City know they can get away with FFP and not really cop too much of a... Too much of a uh, you know a penalty, so they may as well just break the rule anyway. This is where the this is where they need to come in and just with the FFP rule really finally slap someone, which would be City here with a hefty, hefty, hefty penalty. You know if that's docking yeah. Premier League points, so be here. Massive, massive fines, like huge amount of fines, um, whatever. Just to, just as a deterrent. Um, but at the same stage, if they think they can get away with it without a big penalty, then they're just going to go do it anyway. If I had to pick one of the two for uh, for Pep. I would love to see Grealish in a City shirt, but I feel like Harry Kane would be the priority for Pep because I do think they lack a nine. Yeah, that's where I'm leaning as well. Like, I think when you're looking at their winger depth, they've got Foden, Mares, Sterling. I um, think they would play. If they're going to keep, I them. think they'll play Grealish out wide and then we Foden into the ten and they'll play a four-two-three-one variant. Oh yeah. Or a four-three-three with the two eights yeah. and have De Bruyne and Foden in that creative role. Yeah, and then they get oh, Grealish out wide on one side, and then probably Mares on the other, and Sterling misses out yeah. altogether, which is something that I've been saying would happen all along. Yeah, but I think the the need for a number. And nine then you got Fer- and then you got my boy. Up. I pronounce his name wrong every time, but Ferry and Torres will be there too. Yeah, yeah. So I think the need is more up front. I think my other suggestion was if PSG just want to go absolutely bunter 
And does Kane go and follow Pochettino to PSG? See, to I feel like off? if PSG really wanted it, they would have done it by now. They could do it still they, because they haven't actually spent any money on any of these transfers. No, I, I feel like PSG do know that's up their sleeve and up their card. But imagine that. Imagine Neymar and Mbappe, Kane, Di Maria. Yeah, but how do you fit all of them in, those four? Well, you play Mbappe probably off the right like he did for France in that World Cup You can squad. go 4 2 three, one, and, and play one of them in the 10. Neymar in the 10. Yeah. Mbappe off the left and Di Maria off the right and Kane through the guts. Yep, that works. It <laughs> would be mental, man. That would be mental. With one, with Genie and Verratti holding midfielders with Hakimi, <laughs> Benat, Marquinhos and Ramos, Ramos at the back with Hakimi at right back. And Donnarumma in goal. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, that could be serious. So just keep that in the back pocket. Just see if, if Kane ends up at PSG, Paul, Paul hit the nail on the head here. And I do see it happening. Yeah. I just... Don't know if PSG are going to. I think he'd to. want to win the Premier League, though. I think Kane would want to win a Premier League. I think so, I too. Think, if he had the choice between uh, City think, and PSG, I think he'd choose a City. He'd go City. Yeah, but if that just isn't going to materialise and he can see that, then don't be surprised if it's PSG. Yeah, it's either PSG or his state Yeah, I don't think so, he'd go, I don't think he goes to Spain. I don't think he goes to Spain. Nah. Nah. Plenty to unfold still. So, look, there's still a few weeks left of the... Window to go. Yeah, we've got about another month. Yeah, we've got to end of September, don't we? Uh, end, of, uh, end of August. Oh, sorry, end of August. What am I talking yeah. about? So we've got four weeks still. So plenty of time for this to all unfold. So we will be covering it, maybe not so in, as in-depth as we have here today, um, but we still will touch on some of the big stories. Yeah, of course. So before we get into the questions, Damo, have you got anything else that you want to touch base on before we move Yeah, in? I do, because obviously I'm following Ange Postacoglu very, very closely, and um, I've been reading a lot of the reaction. That is uh, kind of what's happened in the Champions League. Uh, obviously, they got beat by Midland, um, drew 1-1 at home, and then lost an extra time 2-1 over in uh, Denmark. I just want to know what you expect of this first season at Celtic Pool, especially considering that the Scottish League's the first properly to get started. That's this weekend. That's actually tonight. Um, for me, I think he just needs to be competitive. Um, the Rangers team that has been assembled is very, very strong. Oh, they beat Mar- Obviously, I know it's a friendly, but they beat Real Madrid, but they had 21 shots against five shots against Madrid. They've dominated Ancelotti yeah, Madrid. Geez. Yeah, I mean, the big thing, obviously, was throwing the lead away against Michelin. Um in the Champions League run. Yeah. That's not ideal, um, but it happens. I just think for this year, Ange just needs to have that sustained period of showing what that team is going to turn into. Like I think they, the supporters and the board would want them winning the league, but I think as long as they don't lose it the way they did, if they can have a cup run and maybe win the, the cup um, and, and just push Rangers the whole way, I think that would be success for season one. Uh, whilst he's still trying to figure out his squad and bring players in and you know find out who's going to be with him for the long run, I think that's probably a, a enough for season one. What do you I think so too, but it just depends on what the pressure that the Celtic fans put on that as well. Um, I feel like a lot of the press said, oh, season's over, season's this, season's done. And I'm like, the guy's been in charge for, what, three weeks? Uh, how do you look at that? Yeah. What I like is how Ange hands all these press conferences. He's not afraid to just hit back at all the reporters and go, "Hey, you know, I'm, I, uh, you know." Today he had a quote about, "Or oh, what do you know about Hearts? You know, how do you know they're going to play? You've never managed them against them before." And he should turn around and said, "You're going to ask that question every game, every game week." Yeah, that I've never managed against them before. And then he went on to say, "We know who Hearts are. Plenty of Aussie players have played for Hearts." 
you know, we know how they're going to play. We have a you have a scouting team. It's not like I've come from outer space. And I'm like, if he's going to come in with that mentality as a coach, that just let me do my job and stop asking me stupid stuff. I felt like the press release yeah. off, and he will implement a football that will win Celtic stuff over time. Just not yet. I, like I said, I always thought this Midland game was well too early into his preparation. He hasn't been able to get any of his players in. And the fact that, look, yeah. on a different night they get through, and the fact that in Celtic, if they just put some chances away, they would have got through. Kind of shows what Ange has done in three weeks has been really decent. So for me, I feel like if you're a Celtic fan and probably the Celtic board probably expect second and behind Rangers, and you're probably expecting a cut run and trying to probably, only, final, probably. only not lose to Rangers, and that depends if you get Rangers before a final or in the final. Um, and yeah. I feel like first half of the year, just let Ange do whatever the results are, does not matter. And then second half of the year, probably looking for those whatever those performances are, him implementing his football and getting players in, turning in the results. And if I was a Celtic fan, I would urge you to probably just look the season two, let him have the year to just do what he needs to do. And I, I will credit the press, the, the, the Scottish press, one thing. As I said, it's not his fault that they've been knocked out of the Champions League. They haven't had a manager for six months before Ange. They haven't been able to get anyone in earlier than this to get a manager in. And they've literally said, here you go, go go do what you can with the, one of the worst teams Celtics had in the history. And, and get us in the Champions and League. Yeah, the, the fact that they are, Celtic aren't able to compete and beat Midland shows you yeah, how far they've fallen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, look, again, similar to most of the transfers, it's almost a wait and see. Uh, but I feel like he probably does need to hit the ground running, otherwise that pressure will build. I feel like he has to be but, harsh just to ease some of the uh, pressure coming in. They've yeah. newly promoted this season, so you feel like they should be. Yeah, them. exactly. But, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. We'll probably make a bit of a comment on that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, on I'm gonna constantly watch episode. the game as well. So, yeah, normally the Scottish games are a good time for yeah, us. Yeah, they're not too so. bad. So I'll, I'll give it a watch because uh, obviously that'd anyway. be on being sports, and then yeah, yeah. We've got a few questions that are coming through the Discord uh, through the stadium. So thank you for those uh, that have given us some questions. So we've sort of answered this first one from Rods. Uh, I'm not answered it, but we've touched on it a little bit. So who would be a better fit for Arsenal, Odegaard or Madison? I think long term, I'd still take Madison. Just I feel like the better. I think Odegaard was alright. I think the better fit is Odegaard because he's played there already and understands a bit of what I said I wants to do. And like, if you could get him in right now, same money, same price, both are available, I would take Odegaard because he's already had six months under Arteta. But yeah. I feel like long-term, the fact Madison's that... Madison's better. Madison is English as well. I feel like Madison would suit Arsenal a bit more. And he's been in the league long yeah. enough. Like, he knows, you know, done, done his job at Leicester. It's a very low risk with Madison. Obviously, Odegaard's probably low risk as well. But I don't think Odegaard gets much better than what he showed this year. Where I think Madison's Ten. shown that he could be... a. Uh, you know, top five, number 10 in the league, where I don't think Odegaard's got that same ceiling anymore. But, you know, I mean, I, either or would be fine, but I'd be leaning towards Madison yeah, long term. All right, JS, with a couple of questions. I think we've answered this one before. Uh, not Who on the pod. Between Orba or Antonio. You see, uh, JS and Rods talk about this in my stream constantly. And me too. And I understand points for both. I'm going to say this. If we're picking up on current form, like as in last season's form, and then we're looking at pre-season, I feel like Aubameyang has diminished a lot over the last 6 to 12 months because he's lost his biggest attribute, which is his speed. Right? He's a player that has built his whole career on being one of the fastest footballers in the world, and now that he's losing that, I feel like he's getting found out that little bit more. 
right? So if in that case, then, I would go with the side that Antonio currently hitting his stride, showing that he's got class, and he's banging in goals now in preseason, banged him in towards the back end of the Premier League last season. I would say that Antonio right now is probably at a better level than Aubameyang. I'm not saying, though, that the question is overall who's better. I feel like Aubameyang is going to have a better career once it's done than Antonio's career. I feel like what Aubameyang's achieved makes him better. So the better player for me is Aubameyang, but right now on current form, it's Antonio. I think Auburn needs to actually move. If they move Auburn Central this year, then he'll have a better season than Antonio. He can't can't play on the left anymore. He's not quick enough. They've tried it. Yeah, I think they need to protect him. He needs to be in the box because he is such a good finisher. Either foot with his head, he needs to now. So that instead of him running in behind to create his chances, he needs Martinelli and Pepe doing the workout yeah, and, and giving him the Put service. him in the area where he needs to be. Um, even he, Because he's good and enough to link finisher, up play and just get into the box after he's linked up play and then bang, pop it one in. Yeah, and as a finisher, he's brilliant both sides. So for me, I'm probably still taking Orba because I think the class... He's still there. He's just having a real bad dip of form. Um, yeah. But I do rate Antonio. I love watching Antonio because he's explosive and he's strong. I think, and he's I think he's a great player, Antonio. I just don't think that the ceiling's as high as a Boomerang ceiling has been in his career. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's where I sort of lean as well. This is a question from JS as well that I haven't actually seen. So I haven't got any information, so I can't really comment on it. But apparently there's talks of the takeover yeah, at West Ham. Apparently that West Ham's owners uh, have no intention of selling um, but and there's not been a, an Arsenal situation yeah but they have no formal bids that have been made um, as well but it, apparently there's a cons- I don't think ownership's the I, issue I, I, I think the there's thing. a consortium, consortium that's interested apparently in trying to take over West Ham mm. um, okay, and apparently this person's unnamed but he insists he remains committed to trying to buy the club yeah alright we'll see where that goes but I don't think that's their their problem though they just need to get it right on the pitch yeah you know, they've got the players they're you know they're a good enough team they showed this year that they're good enough to compete so kick on they haven't you know they fixed the goalkeeper issue but they haven't really made any other major signings but who knows I think they just need to back you know back themselves in and see where they can end up they're not going to be a destination club and that's the thing they're not going to be able to compete I think the person trying to players. buy it is David Sullivan never heard of okay. him either so look that's another one we'll sit tight we'll see what happens and we'll go from there yeah uh, but um, yeah I don't know if they're going to sell JS no, yeah. nah don't think so it's pretty, it's pretty hard especially in this climate I think my owners want to hold on try to ride the wave out and then, and then sell, sell again when prices rise yeah so Dim who are on your one to watch list for this season judging from pre-season games I'm going to judge on the gonna go I'm going to judge on the Euros here if you're not putting Saka on this list I don't know what you're going to get excited in football anymore the kid looks unreal Yeah, I know he's missed that pen yeah. no, I, I don't care that he's missed that pen he's unreal yeah uh, I've been watching him for quite a while now and He's ready. He's for the last he's 18 ready. months. He's just great to watch. He, he's, he's great to watch ready already. To... And he's just going levels. He's as, ready to lead yeah, that Arsenal side in the battle, man. He is unreal. One of the best English prospects coming through. So yeah. I think he's unreal. Mine's, mine's an English player as well. Yep. Um, but mine's Harvey. Yeah, Elliott. I was going to mention um, him too. He's look good. Just want to see. And maybe the combination of him and Curtis Jones. I think. I feel like Curtis use, can push um, on too. And Curtis gets doesn't get talked about enough in this. He is yeah. unbelievable at what he does. Before the injury, he was in our team yeah. like that time. Yeah, he like was on form, was unreal. So, yeah, so I think the combination of Curtis and Harvey Elliott is going to be interesting. Obviously, a bit of bias there, both being playing for Liverpool, but 
I think and I've got one everyone's more. talking about where's the replacement for Genie come and extra depth up front. I think that kind of shows that we've got some kids coming through that are probably going to be able to step into those shoes. So I've got one you know, more. Obviously, we're looking for a better season this year out of Liverpool. Yep. I've got one more for that list, Tim, and it's not a player, it's a team. Just anyone that plays for Brentford, mate, I feel like they're going to be, if yeah. they switch on and they go, they're going to be frightening to watch. Yeah, and they actually defend really well too. They're actually quite solid. Yeah. I don't know who they've brought in yet, though. Didn't they, bro- didn't they bring, didn't they bring in the Ad- Christopher Adger at centre-back? Oh, maybe. Let me have a look. I think they just looked really good um, in the championship, especially in the playoffs. Um Let's have a look at their transfers for 21-22. I'm just loading them up Yeah, you just, um, just went to Brentford. Christopher Ajo. They have brought in Christopher Ajo yeah. from, uh, for 14 mil. That's actually a really good Yeah, deal. I feel that's insane. Um, that's a great piece of business for them. They haven't gone and got too many big guys. So they've got Frank Onyeka from Michelin for 9 mil. And then they've brought in a number 10 from Chelsea's under 23s, Miles Peart-Harris. I don't think he... Uh, I'm trying to remember everyone... FM, I don't think he grows that much, so it's a weird one. Yeah, so anyway, they're the three deals that they've got done so far, and then there's a few end-of-loans players coming back. Yeah. Uh, f- and then departures, they've lost Dowsgaard, the right-back, who went on a free to Michelin. Marcondes, who actually played well in the playoffs, went to Bournemouth on a free, so maybe they sort of said, look, we don't think we're going to need you for the Prem- Premier yeah, League season. And then two other guys that haven't really done much. So. I could put anyone on that list. I feel like it's very genetic if I put Ivan, Tony, or Mbwemo on that list. But just the whole Brentford team did. Yeah, I think they're just one of those teams that will come up. And I just don't see a world where they go Same down here. straight away. I, I don't so. either. They're going to be a bit like Leeds, I feel. Yeah, they're going to play a good, good brand of football and they'll be exciting to watch. So they're probably, that's, good, that's a real good shout, actually. Yep. I'll rate that. And then our last question, which comes from Dim as well. So John Terry stepping down as assistant manager for Villa. Where will he go next? Would he get a head coaching role for another team or return to Chelsea? Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm just going to say, look at managers that have come through that era of playing football for England and what they've achieved. So Gerard obviously became a youth coach at Liverpool. He went away. Then he's obviously gone to Rangers. He's doing superbly well, right? But he picked a job that was suited to him. It wasn't at like the top tier league, sorry, to the Scottish Premiership. Right, but not well, not one of those big, huge jobs, but Rangers a big club in there. But yeah, exactly. He hasn't gone and put himself out of his depth. He's learning his trade, constant communication with Klopp, and now you're seeing the fruits of that, the fruits of that labour, so to say. He's really turning into quite a class manager. Things he's doing with Rangers is incredible. Um, you then look and you look at what Ateta's done, and in that same sort of time frame, yes, he probably did the right thing learning under Pep, but I feel like he's taken a job that's well out of his depth. And then you look at Frank Lampard and also what he did. He, he, Lampard's path wasn't the worst. It's just that Chelsea job came too early. I feel like Gerrard's got it the best out of the blend. That's not me being biased. I feel like, yes, Lampard had that good year with Derby, but I feel like they just rushed Lampard into the Chelsea job too early, where obviously Gerrard had no intention of just going straight into the Liverpool job, obviously, after Klopp and has now gone and trained his skills. And I feel like John Terry... At this stage of his career, he's done the right thing. He's gone and learnt under a Premier League manager at Aston Villa. Had a really good year there. I feel like that for him to just go back down to Chelsea as a youth coach might be a bit too much of a backward step. I feel like for me, if I was John Terry, where I see him going next, put him in a Championship club, put him in a, uh, yep. put him in the Scottish Premiership if there's a player out there, put him in League One, but at a League One side that's mid table side like uh, at Saint Etienne, for instance, or uh, um, you know. 
or go to La Liga yeah. and Valencia. I would see him like a mid-table, yeah, mid-table championship team. Yeah, I would ra- I'd rather John Terry probably not go to Spain or France, then. but I would rather him go to the championship. Hone your skills, get, even if it means get a team up, you know, and if they get a team yeah. up, don't then go, if you're Chelsea, for instance, go do it again and get John Terry now as your coach. But I feel like the pathway for John Terry should be there to see. You know what's failed and Arteta's failed. You know what's failed and Frank Lampard hasn't failed. He just walked into a job that was way too big for him too early. But yet again, that's not a success either. And then you probably look at what Gerard's done, another one of your mates, and gone, well, hang on a second. He's gone and gone through youth coach, Rangers, and eventually you see the pathway where he probably transitions into the Liverpool coach and he wouldn't be out of his depth. Um, and I feel for John Terry if he seriously considers that he wants to manage Chelsea in the future, which I kind of get that's probably his goal, um, considering he's been an ex-club legend, same with what Lampard did. Um, I feel like I would be urging John Terry and John Terry stepping down as the assistant manager from Villa to go go to a championship club. You know, go... go yeah, definitely alludes yeah. to him being a head coach, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, so I, 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 I like... What what's his name? Um, at, uh, at Palace. Come to Portsmouth. No, no, what, what's his name? At Palace, Palace, new manager. Oh, um... Oh, not Vieira? Not, um, yeah, I've liked his pathway because yeah. he went away off to the MLS, didn't he? Yeah, then to Nice. Yeah, I like that pathway though as a coach. You've gone from a league that's not as reputable, you hone your skills, you go to Nice, reputable league. York, uh, New York. Yeah, you go so. to a reputable league in in, um, in France, but MLS, not with the be- one of the best France. teams. But you, you've trained your skills, you've then gone and, go and improved your skills in a better league, understand a bit more higher pressure situations, what you need to do, you know, go and achieve goals at a bigger club. And then bang, all right, I'm ready for the Palace job. You know, and the Palace job is not his end goal. He wants to go do well at Palace, so then he gets a top four gig. You know? And that, at the yeah. end of the day, I feel like that's the pathway that if you're John Terry and or you're a new manager that's come through as a player, that's the pathway, not the pathway that Lampard did and not the pathway Just that Arteta's done. Yeah, because Arteta's come in yeah. no experience as an assistant manager. It's different being an assistant to being an actual manager. And he's gone into Arsenal. And I, I, look, I love Arteta the player, but and yeah, he's struggled. He's, a bit. struggled. he's out of his depth. Yeah. And same with Oli to some degree going to Man United as well. So, you know, from Cardiff to the team that he had prior, who, you know, got Cardiff relegated and then struggled in one of the Scandinavian leagues and then gets the United job as a caretaker and has kept it and hasn't really kicked on with it. So I feel like he does need time to learn his craft. Um, The other thing is, you know, not heaps of... Club legends really do go on to be successful at those clubs. No, too. not like, really. Look, it, I've been thinking about that. You know, like, in the modern era, I can even go back to yesteryear. Not... Graham Sinest came back in as Liverpool manager, meant to be bring Liverpool back to the Premier League winning ways in like nineties and whatever. He got sacked. Um, we've had yeah. Kenny Douglas come in and out of Liverpool a couple of times, not having the best of times. Um, and then it's, 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 it's a different it's, world than it was in that 70s and yeah. 80s where players used to do that because scouting's so different and I just, the, the, the margins are so much smaller that you just have to get the right person regardless of what their background the, is. I the mean, way I look at it is that being a high-level manager at some of these top clubs, is a, you know, you've got to be really good, really trust, really have the skill and the understanding and the time. The time. Um, and you need to be able to beforehand. Sorry, you need yeah. you need to be able to be good with the players, but also tactically good. Uh, you know, you've got to be able to handle the press you need to be a bit and the pressure. As well, I think you can't just be. Oh, I'm a club legend. I'm going to go manage the club now. And demand that respect. Yeah, it, just it does not happen. Yeah. Oh, great. The players will go. Yeah, we respect you for what you've done for the football club as a player. But as a coach, we don't fucking like. I it. don't agree. Yeah, with so what, then what are you going to do? You can't walk into a club and be like that. And I feel like that was yeah. a bit of that with Lampard. I feel like that there was a touch of that with Lampard. Bit of a panic. Yeah. 
I think they thought they might have missed out on him too. That was the other thing. So they just thought, oh, well, it's a good time. We're getting rid of a manager. You've just done well. You want to come to us. Let's just get it done. And then the bit of, that was the first sort of naive move I've ever seen Chelsea make because they normally get most of those decisions yeah, right. Yeah, they do. And I feel like but, they made the correct decision to sack him and bring in Tuchel. Yeah, and save the season. They so, won the Champions League. Of course, it's good. I think on that note, Dame, yep. I reckon that's where we will wrap up episode 18. So, as always, thank you for your company once again. All good, Paul. Anytime. I'm just going to put it out there as well. We don't plug too much, but uh, Paulie started a road to glory. He's absolutely flying. I've started a road to Bobby because Bobby's my favourite on FIFA. I'm not flying. I'm horrid at the game. But uh, you want to go check out that content. You know, Paulie's got his YouTube channel, which is Paulie29. I've got mine, which is Dame underscore 23. Same thing on Twitch. I'm just going to plug that at the end. We'll obviously, plug the Discord as always because it's absolutely an amazing community. And I really look forward to the draft as well. Don't forget about that. Yep, that is around the corner. So if you are keen, as I said earlier in the episode, make sure you jump in the Discord, which the link for that is in the description of this podcast. Make sure you go to the FPL tab and grab the code or the link to sign up in that uh, Premier League draft. We will be doing the, not next week, on the episode on Monday. It'll be the week after. This is when we're going to be drafting live uh, on the podcast so that is going to be very very exciting so if you are excited for that make sure you give us a big five star review through Apple Podcasts and leave a comment and a review just to let us know how much you're loving the podcast once again from Damon and myself thank you so much for all your support and for listening to another episode of the PD Sports Podcast and we'll see you in the next episode <laughs>